Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back, Roster Watch Nation. It's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the garbage grab. In particular, it's the fantasy fallout for week seven going into week eight. So let's go ahead and get started with Thursday night's game. The Chiefs at the Broncos. Chiefs won this one 30 to 6. Patrick Mahomes is likely out for the next three weeks with a dislocated knee. This is arguably the most polarizing news in football right now as Chiefs players, owners mourn, at least in fantasy football, and everybody else rejoices. Matt Moore is a capable fill-in that will man the helm, at least until Chad Haney comes off of injured reserve. I'm staying away from any Kansas City pass catchers not named Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey for the time being. Damian Williams Got only six yards on 11 touches and a pitiful showing on Thursday night. LaShawn McCoy got three more touches and 76 yards on the day. The good news for Williams is that the Chiefs will probably lean on the running game more with Mahomes out. The bad news is that so will opposing defenses. Williams is a low floor flex this week and nothing more. On the other side of the ball, it's good to know that Cortland Sutton can still produce with an abysmal Joe Flacco under center. Sutton is wide receiver 11 on the season and may soon shoulder even more of the load in Denver as Emmanuel Sanders is on the trading block. If Sanders does get dealt, Deshaun Hamilton is an instant add even in that crappy Denver offense. On to the next game, 49ers at Redskins. 49ers ran away with this one with the whole nine points to zero. For the Redskins. The 49ers have the worst 6-0 team I've ever seen, at least offensively. Inclement weather affected the game, and San Francisco was playing with a lead, but the 49ers have had only one 100-plus yard receiving game this season, and it was from their tight end. George Kittle, Tevin Coleman, and Matt Breeder are San Francisco's only weekly fantasy assets as far as I'm concerned. Washington couldn't get anything going in this one either, outside of Adrian Peterson, who carried the ball 20 times, but lost a fumble. Peterson has limited upside, but he's touched the ball 20 more times every game that Bill Callahan has been head coach, and that's been a whopping two games. But I don't see that changing. 
anytime soon. AP is still unowned in 40% of leagues. On to the next game. The Cardinals at the Giants. Cardinals won this one 27-21 in New Jersey. I pity David Johnson owners who rolled their guy out upon hearing that he was active only for him to come out of the game after one carry. We're going to need at least a couple days of full practice this week from Johnson to rely on him in week eight. Chase Edmonds, on the other hand, went nuts. 29 touches, 150 yards, and three touchdowns. He looks like the second coming of Jamal Charles on the field right now and needs to be added in every format at the top of your waiver priority list. No other Cardinals did much of anything in this contest, but then they didn't need to with what Edmonds was doing. Saquon Barkley had a decent day, 21 touches, 80 yards, and a touchdown, but suffered a leg reaggravation in the second half, requiring trainers to look at his leg before returning to the game. The fact that he even returned was heartening, but he's still going to be one to monitor this week. And now that teams are able to prepare for quarterback Daniel Jones, it looks pretty average, if not bad, on the field these days. 22 completion, 223 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. There won't be a quarterback change anytime soon, but he makes his skilled players much less reliable in fantasy. The Cardinals are a Titans dream, and Evan Ingram came away with his worst game of the season. One reception for six yards. Ingram will bounce back, but Jones makes him a lot more inconsistent. Golden Tate has had at least six receptions and 80 yards in his last two games, including Week 7. As long as Sterling Shepard is out, he's a safe start. He's still unowned in 25% of leagues. On to the next game, the Texans at the Colts. Texans lost this one 23-30. Kenny Stills returned to his first action since Week 4 and went off for 105 yards. Will Fuller sustained a significant hamstring pull, so Stills is definitely premier waiver ad this week. He's owned in only 13% of leagues. On the other side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett is a top 10 quarterback in average points this season with 19.62, and he would likely be a top 10 quarterback in points overall without his buy in Week 5. He needs to be owned in more than the 48% of leagues he's owned. He had 326 yards and four touchdowns against the Texans this week. Zach Pascal, or Pascal, he's so little known, I don't even know how to say his last name. Six receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns. He has had at least 50 yards in three of his last four games and three touchdowns over that amount of time as he's been flying completely under the radar. He's arguably the number two in a pretty vibrant indie offense, and he needs to be owned in more than the 1% of leagues he is owned in right now. On to the next game, Raiders at Packers. Raiders lost this one 24-42. Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller did the usual damage. But I was more intrigued by Keelan Doss's three receptions for 54 yards. It wasn't that much, but Doss was one of my favorite prospects coming into the draft this year. He's worth a look and deep in dynasty leagues if Tyrell Williams misses any more time. On the other side of the ball, it was all air attack for a clicking Packers offense on Sunday with eight different players catching two or more balls. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a big man on the day with two receptions for 133 yards and a touchdown. But Jimmy Graham and Jake Kumaral also had solid outings. Graham went four for 65 in a touchdown, and Kumaral two for 54 in a touchdown. 
with Kansas City up this week. The Packers probably won't have to throw as much, but they'll certainly be able to against that crappy defense. Kumaral is worth a DFS lineup or two as he played second most snaps behind Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are startable, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Devontae Adams is sidelined. And on to the next game, Vikings at Lions. Vikings won this one 42-30. Adam Thielen is unlikely to suit up Thursday night against the Redskins after injuring his hamstring on Sunday. Rookie Ola B.C. Johnson came in after Thielen went down on Sunday and went 4 for 40 with a touchdown on 8 targets. He's worth the flex if Thielen stays out, as it looks like he is. On the other side of the ball, Carrion Johnson left in the first quarter with a knee injury that ended up in a brace, so monitor him closely this week. It's unlikely, though, that he will play. Ty Johnson was the workhorse behind Carrion, but J.D. McKissick was involved as well. What Ty is going for him is his use on the goal line, and he's just a bigger back. Ty should probably be your first target for waivers this week if Chase Edmonds and Latavius Murray are already owned. McKissick can actually be added in deeper and PPR formats. Marvin Jones, Starvin Marvin, 10 receptions, 93 yards, 4 touchdowns, had the best day of his career on Sunday, at least fantasy-wise. He probably won't come close to that type of number again this season, but he's available in 30% of leagues, and he's averaging seven targets a game, so he's well worth rostering, especially if Carrion Johnson misses time, which it looks like he will. Danny Amendolin, Amendola went off as well, but he hasn't had a good day fantasy-wise since week one. He had eight receptions for 105 yards. I'm not biting just yet. I need to see him do it a couple times in a row. At least a couple times in a row. And on to the next game. Jaguars at Bengals. Jaguars won this one 27-17. D.D. Westbrook had his first 100-plus yard game of the season on Sunday. He was 6 for 103. He doesn't score touchdowns at all. At least he hasn't this season. But he's averaging about 8 targets a game, so he's worthy of ownership in 12-team leagues. Chris Conley had his best game since Week 1. Three receptions for 83 yards. But he's been inconsistent to rely on in fantasy. I'm leaving him on waiver wires outside of the deepest of leagues. On the other side of the ball, Alec Eric- Alex Erickson led all Bengals in receiving on Sunday. Eight receptions for 137 yards. His 14 targets were also a team high. Erickson had eight, well, six targets last week. So this isn't completely out of nowhere, but it's unlikely he does this well again this season. That being said, he's worth a sniff against the Rams team this week that Cincinnati is probably going to be trailing for most of the game. So they're going to have to throw it. On to the next game. Dolphins at Bills. Dolphins lost this one 21-31. As I suspected in the garbage grab bag for week seven, the Dolphins gave Mark Walton the rock on Sunday. 15 touches, 58 yards, with Kenyon Drake possibly on his way out. Walton has little upside, but he's operating as a starting running back on an NFL team, so it's worth adding him where you can. The Dolphins are still terrible, but the offense tends to flow a little bit better with Ryan Fitzpatrick, or at least they did on Sunday. Both Preston Williams and Devontae Parker need to be owned. They're on a team that is going to be playing from behind most of the time. Williams went 6 for 82 on Sunday, and Devontae 5 for 55 with a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, Devin Singletary played behind Frank Gore, and what's worse is he didn't get a single 
target on the day. Singletary ended up with six, six, seven touches for 26 yards. Frank Gore, six for 66. Perhaps they were just easing Singletary in as he's missed the last several games with injury, but he needs at least double-digit touches to be worth your time. He's probably not a safe play against Philly's run defense this week. On to the next game, Rams at Falcons. Rams won this one 37-10 in Atlanta. Daryl Henderson had 12 touches to Todd Gurley's 19. Henderson actually looked better. Neither back did a whole lot, but Henderson looks like the quickest back on the team right now. Malcolm Brown should be back this week, so that complicates things for Henderson's outlook. But if you have the bench space, Henderson deserves a spot while we see how things shake out. Tight end Gerald Everett led the team with 10 targets on the day. Ended up with four receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. He'll be up and down, but you can't ignore the amount of targets he's getting on a weekly basis. He needs to be owned. Matt Ryan, on the other side of the ball, left the game in the fourth quarter with a sprained ankle. He hasn't been ruled out for this week, but Matt Schaub would start if he is out. Ido Smith also went down to a concussion and will not play this week. Brian Hill filled in for Ido and logged seven touches to Devontae Freeman's nine. That's not that many fewer. Brian ended up with seven touches for 25 yards. It might have been because the Falcons were run, were out of the running for most of the game. They trailed almost the entire game. But there's a chance that Hill gets decent touches this week if Mike Ryan is out and the team leans on the run. On to the next game, Chargers at Titans. Chargers lost this one 20-23. Austin Eckler looks like the better back in L.A. Looks like the best back in L.A. 12 touches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. But the Chargers are intent on squeezing every drop from Melvin Gordon that they can while they have him. He had 18 touches for 29 yards and a touchdown. Maybe it's the long layoff, but Gordon looks pretty slow on the field. In any case, Eckler is an every week flex until further notice. Mike Williams has little to show for his fantasy season thus far. He went 447 this game, but he's averaging eight targets over his last four games. And his upside keeps him a flex option every week. And that was going on to, the, and now we're going on to the Titans offense. The Titans offense looks so much better with Ryan Tannehill under center. Tannehill was 23 for 312 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Three players had over 50 yards through the air, which is a rarity whenever Marcus Mariota was in the game. A.J. Brown, six for 64, and Corey Davis, six for 80 with a touchdown. They both need to be picked up if they've been dropped in your league. Tannehill can get them the ball on a pretty regular basis, it would seem. On to the next game, Ravens at Seahawks. Ravens won this one 30-16. Lamar Alexander took this one on his back as quarterback and started and starting running back for the Ravens, basically. And not much else was asked from anyone else on the offense. Mark Ingram is basically a backup running back in the offense. I'd trade him if you can, though the upcoming bye week won't help his stock very much. On the other side of the ball, Jerron Brown was tied for third in targets with six with tight end Jacob Hollister. Both are deep league options against a horrendous Falcons team this week. Rashad Penny, running back for the Seahawks, can be dropped, though I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded before the deadline, so maybe you want to hold on to him for that reason. 
On to the next game. Saints at Bears. Saints won this one 36-25. Drew Brees is planning to practice this week, but the Saints are 5-0 without him, so they may choose to hold him out until after their bye in Week 9. Why not? Latavius Murray went nuts on Sunday. 34 touches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. And he'll probably start until after the bye. Why would you rush Alvin Kamara back when Murray is capable of handling the load? Ted Ginn, who went 2 for 48 in Week 7, may be worth a deep league flex this week with the Saints facing Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals. Peterson will likely hold down Michael Thomas, so Ginn could get more licks than usual. On the other side of the ball, Tariq Cohen had only 19 yards in the day but was targeted 12 times. That's encouraging. The Bears' offense is anemic and pretty useless for, for fantasy purposes. Favorite son, Anthony Miller, had a second straight game of seven or more targets on Sunday. He went five for 64 yards. The offense is too bad to start him outside of DFS tourneys right now, but we love to see him getting the action. David Montgomery... Four touches for 19 yards. Won't have a worse game this season. If you're looking to add a starting running back to your roster, he's worth trading for. And he shouldn't be too pricey right now. On to the next game, the Eagles at Dallas. Eagles lost this one 10-37. The Eagles couldn't get anything going on Sunday night. Dallas Goddard led the team in receiving, though. Four receptions, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And he's averaging six targets and 50 yards over his last two games. He's starting to heat up, and he's worth a look in uh, what looks like a really shallow tight end field right now. On the other side of the ball, Dallas was in control most of the night, so they didn't have to perform any late-game heroics, which are nerve-wracking in actuality, but they're pretty sublime for fantasy. No one other than Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper was necessary in the game, so they didn't really use him. They have a bye this week, then another... Really good matchup against the Giants in Week 9. Let's talk about the Monday night game really quick. Jacoby Myers, five targets, five receptions for 47 yards. He's going to keep it being used in three wide sets as long as Josh Gordon is out. And then Philip Dorsett returned this week after injury, scored a touchdown, only three receptions. But he's on the field as much as anybody, and I think you're going to be able to use him weekly in, in the flex spot going forward. On the other side of the ball, the Jets were horrible. They didn't score at all this game. Patriots are getting used to, I think it was, a, it was 33 to nothing again, right? They've done that, what, I think maybe three times this season or at least for 33. I know it's been 33 to nothing at least twice now. Demarius Thomas had the best game for the Jets. Three of nine targets for 42 yards. He's worth rostering in deeper formats, even though I still like Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder more. And even though they did absolutely squat this game, Sam Darnold turned the ball over 80 times, or at least it seemed that many. He'll do better next week, hopefully. So you can probably rely on Crowder and... Anderson a little bit more moving forward. Anyways, that's what I have for you now for the fallout. Some of the lesser talked about players and info, at least in these games that happened in week seven, and maybe some prognostication going into week eight. Anyways, that's all I got for you. 
Thanks for listening, Roster Watch Nation. Until next time, be ready. credit card bill.